0: If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, you'll only, if you if you open to Genesis chapter 11, you won't have to leave it tonight. We're going to cover uh, Genesis eleven one through 9. And we're going to go through a, ta- a, a passage that might be familiar to you. It's the passage about the Tower of Babel. Um, but in studying and preparing for this, um, the Lord just made some things come alive. So I believe you're going to walk away with this passage of Scripture meaning something different than than what maybe you were raised with, you know, as a... As a Bible story, even as a child, possibly. So, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Now, the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, which means... Confusion or confusion by mixing. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord had confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. I want to start off by saying the theme of oneness and the theme of unity is a powerful theme that we see in this passage. Here we see ungodly people doing ungodly things, but they've got but they are one. They've got one voice, they've got one message, they've got one goal, and God said because of their oneness, anything that they set their their purpose on doing will be available to them. It, nothing's impossible to them. Do you realize how how big that is that God would say that? You know, this isn't about... When I was a kid, here's the visual I had. I had this tower going up into the clouds. Obviously, the clouds is where heaven is. and It's just even beyond the clouds that we can see, but clouds. And then I saw this tower going so tall that all of a sudden, you know, people... Um, they must have taken an elevator because if they get to the top of the tower through the stairs, they'll be too tired to fight. But when they get to the top, they will step out onto the clouds and they will vanquish heaven. Which, which, that's what I had this vision. Don't tell me I'm the only one who thought this as a kid. You know, I know others are like, the tower was so big that they were going to like, you know, Trojan horse this thing and you'll come out and attack heaven. That's what I kind of thought. And I got great teaching, so it's not your fault. I just, you know, that's that was my imagination. Yeah. So... Um, but that's not what, what, what God was talking about in them being able to accomplish this. As the video showed, Jesus prayed for us. Father, let them be one as you and I are one. In this passage, when it says, they are one, that word is shot. They are one. shot. They are one. And then it says, and they all have the same language. The word for language is Safa, which means lip, language, speech, shore, bank, brim. Lip. It says, Ishad. They are one. And then, Safa. Ishad, Safa. And they have one voice. They have one lip. I tell you, there, there's another message there about, you know, we, we are the body of Christ and we're a huge mess when we have too many lips, when we have too many mouths, when we have too many people not valuing the part of the body they are. But that's not that's not the message for tonight. But we are to, to look at this. They were one. They were one in what they said. They were one in what they did. And then verse six, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. How amazing is this? So I want to bring two obvious things. Maybe they're not so obvious to light. Number one, this isn't about a tower. This is not about a tower. Before the tower, what did they build? They built a city. Before they built the tower, they built a city. The tower was just a monument to what they were already doing in the city. The tower was just a cocky demonstration of what they had already accomplished in building the city. we got to grasp that first. They built a city. Then they, they came back and built the tower. But that's still not what this is about. This is about what we can accomplish if we are one. This message is about what we can accomplish if we stand against the enemy's ways, we identify his strategies and his schemes, we submit to the Lord, we resist the enemy, he flees, and we stand unified as one. That is what this message is about. I do want to point something out. This is amazing. This is cool. So the, the word tower, the, the Hebrew word for tower that's used here is migdal, M-I-G-D-A-L. And yes, the primary definition of this word is tower. But check out the second definition of this word. Elevated stage, pulpit. What they were building, yes, it was a tower, it was a monument to their message. But this tower was their pulpit. This tower was their pulpit for their message. And what was their message? We don't need God we don't need God. That was their message. This was their pulpit. And they were unified in this message. And they were accomplishing powerful things. It wasn't just a a tower that was being powerfully erected. It was an ungodly way of thinking and living that says, I don't need God. I don't need God and here's my proof. I don't need God and I'm demonstrating it for all the world to see. Let it stretch into the heavens so everyone can see. We don't need God. Friends, that message is still out there today. That message has not changed. Friends, that message is still in the church. (laughs) Isn't that ridiculous that that message would be in the church? You guys, it's not enough that we pay our penance and show up at church and and satisfy the wrath of an Old Testament God or whatever false teaching we had. It's about a relationship with God, making Him our Lord and Savior. I say it every week Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and He can't just be one or the other. He can't. If He's just your Savior, if you just acknowledge Him as your Savior, all that means is you know you're a sinner. That's it. Well, man, you know, you, you got, we're some jacked up people. I mean, recognizing when we have sin, that's easy. Give it five minutes. Then we recognize we need a Savior. But recognizing Him as Lord. Saying, I make you boss. I make you Lord of my life. You get to call the shots. Why? Because I need you. Because your ways are better than my ways. Because... I can't do it on my own. Yes, I am forgiven and my past has been wiped away. But I I have a future with you and I can't do it on my own. I need you. The builders of Babel were made up of different families, dispositions, interests, but they were unanimous in opposing God. They were united and dedicated to in building this city and building this sign of how much they did not need God. Guys, what a what a pity. What a shame it is that the builders of the kingdom of God, although we are united by the one head, Jesus Christ, although we are united by the, the one victorious king, Jesus Christ, that we as a church are so divided it's a pity but we're divided because we place ourselves above god we're divided because we place ourselves above his plan and we're divided because we place his voice underneath ours we suppress his voice underneath ours that internal urging and desires And we elevate ourselves and saying, I need God, but I got a good grasp on this. And we, we demean the power of God in our lives by not making Him the center, by not saying, Lord, You are first and foremost. We see two strings of unified communication here. Unified communication. First, we see it from the builders of Babel. They said, Let us make bricks and hardened them as stone. Let us build a city. Let us build a tower. Unified communication. But then we see unified communication from God. Let us go down. Let us go down and confuse their language. And just so we're clear, this was not spoken to the angels. God doesn't need their advice and God doesn't need their help. This was spoken God to God, just as let us create man in our image. So this was God addressing God. Unified communication. How is our communication? Since I've preached this message to myself, let me go ahead and personalize it. How is your communication? How is your communication? Husbands, how's your communication to your wives? Is it impatient? Is it distracted? Is it patronizing? Is it half-hearted? Or is it open? Is it caring? Is it attentive? Is it patient? Wives, you, obviously, i got to balance it out. You know that. How's your communication to your husband's? Is it condescending? Is it sarcastic? Does it lack the necessary respect? Or is it encouraging? Is it validating? Is it uplifting? Wives, in case you don't know this, and and if, it's okay if you, if you don't know this, but but walk away knowing this. We husbands need attaboys. We need we needed them when we were this big, and we need them when we're. This big. We need attaboys. When I'm done preaching this message, Kara's got about a half hour window before she goes, Good message, babe. <laughs> Baby, you brought it. Good message. She got about a half-hour window. Otherwise, I'm like, How is my message, honey? I mean, maybe it's not that, you know, desperate. But I mean it's pretty close. You know? Why? We need attaboys. We need attaboys from you. We need you to be proud of us. Wives, we need you to be proud of us. Your communication has to express that. Husbands, your wives need to know they are loved and cherished and that that nothing comes before them. Nothing on this earth comes before them. Moms, dads, how's your communication to your kids? Is it patient? Or is it impatient? Is it loving? Or is our communication that the kids are a burden to us? Is it instructive? Or is it always disciplining? Are we teaching? Is it, is it Christ centered? What is our communication to our kids? One thing we better grab out of this message is that to have unity, you've got to have godly communication. You have got to have godly communication. Your lips have to be speaking life and you both have to be on the same page speaking that life. I want to encourage us right now. Make repentance a huge part of your walk with Christ if it's not. During your prayer life, if repentance isn't a huge glorious part of your prayer life, my friends, you are missing out on one of the best things God gave us. The gift of repentance. The gift of changing our minds and aligning ourselves with Him going, Lord, I repent. I repent. I thought this way and my actions followed my thoughts. But Lord, I agree with you. So Lord, renew my mind. I agree with you. I repent. I turn from that and I agree with you, Lord. And I receive your grace and I receive your forgiveness. Repentance isn't about feeling sorry. Feeling sorry just means we're human, right? That's all, the, that's all that feeling sorry means is that we're human. Is that we are emotional beings. We feel sorry. That has nothing to do with repentance. You should, if we do something bad, we should feel sorry. If, if I kick my daughter in her knee that's wrapped with this ace bandage, I should feel bad. If I don't, that makes me a monster. And I would never kick you in your, in your knee. I'd... Yeah. It's not about feeling sorry. Repentance is about agreeing with Him. Friends, do we agree with God? Do we agree with Him? Golly, gee, do we agree that we need him? Do we agree that he has to be at the center? Friends, based on our communication as husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, friends, brothers, leaders, daughters, based on our communication, our speaking, our listening, our responding, based on our communication in all of these roles and facets of who we are, what is God saying will be impossible for us? Because because based on their communication, based on their oneness, he said, anything they set their hearts at, they're going to attain. Nothing will be impossible for them. Based on our communication, what is God saying, oh my gosh, It'll be impossible. You know, nothing will be impossible to you. Are we so unified with Him that, that that He's speaking over our lives? Whatever you purpose in your heart to do, you will do it because you're with me and I'm with you. And we are one and you are one. You guys, Luke one thirty seven says, for nothing is impossible with God for nothing is impossible with God. What is that in reference to? That's in reference to an old woman getting pregnant and a man, you know, uh, then mocking God and being silent for a long time until that baby was born, which is an awesome story. It's about the birth of our Savior through a virgin. For nothing is impossible with God. That's what he says over our lives, you guys. But in order for that to be true, we've got to be unified with him. Can you pull up that that message again? I I want us to see something. Let's start with verse 1. I'll start reading. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city. Come let us build for ourselves a city. How many places in our life are we building ourselves a city? How many places in our life are we building for ourselves a city? In a tower whose top will reach into heaven, let us make for ourselves a name. Let us make for ourselves a name. In what ways are we trying to make for ourselves a name? for crying out loud. I don't want to make a name for Impact Rock Church. I want to n- make a name for Jesus Christ. I want Jesus Christ to be glorified and lifted up because Impact Rock can't do jack. We can't do anything. We can't heal anybody. We can't save anybody. We, we can't make a significant impact on anybody. But Jesus can. But what are the areas of our lives where we're trying to make a name? Where that we want praise and glory and attention and honor you know, because otherwise, if we don't make a name for ourselves, we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Irony. Ironic moments. What ends up happening as a result of their declaration that we don't need God and their efforts saying we don't need God? What's the end result? They're scattered. My friends, that is the result if we try and make a name for ourselves. If we try and build for ourselves a city, the result is scattered. But I want us to take note of God's mercy on something here. I want us to take note of the mercy of this Old Testament God. And let's see how he handed out correction and penalty to this ungodly but very unified group of people. Let's talk about what he doesn't say. Let's talk about what he doesn't do. And once again, this takes place in Genesis Old Testament. He doesn't say, let's go down there and kick some righteous butt. And I don't know why all of a sudden he got a southern accent, but it fits. It works. He doesn't say, I'm taking full thunder and lightning wrath of myself because he's God, wrath of God, wrath of myself, kind of vengeance upon them. Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to blow a hole so big that the height of their tower is beneath us. Right, He's God. Just so we're totally clear, if this is what he wanted to do, this is what he would have done and could have done. But what does God say and do? He says, let us go down there and scatter them. They deserve death. But let's go down there and show them my power. This is so cool. Let's go down there show them our power but all the while in the midst of this correction in the midst of this penalty we will still give them the chance to unify and accomplish something great but according to my plan you realize that even though he he changed their language they still could have come to unity they still could have unified they still could have joined hands in their work effort, and through through nonverbal communication, they still could have unified and accomplished their ungodly task. But I think bigger than that, in their scattering, they had the opportunity to unify with him who all of a sudden changed their language. Changed their language. Power of God. You tell me God would not speak in during that time? Hey, build my kingdom. Hey, build my city. Hey, build a monument to my glory, to my power, not your own. My friends, our God now and always has been more than gracious to us. He has been more than merciful to us. He has been more than loving and merciful to a, to a world that has despised him. And they said they didn't need him. And he's still merciful to this day. I mentioned that I believe they still could have finished the tower. I want to encourage us if, if the enemy has brought disunity in your lives, and let me talk about marriages. For what we're moving into this next season, we need strong marriages. We need strong families. We need strong households. We need unified voices as husband and wife. We need unity. We need we need the power that comes through unity. If the enemy has in any way brought separation or disunity, through the power of God, if we join hands together, even though we have differences of speech and possibly differences of communication if we still have unity and vision we can still come together and accomplish those things with the power of God but it has to be through his vision we have to unify coming into agreement with him going Lord we come into agreement with the message of Jesus Christ and the plan that you have for us Lord When we lose our unity, we stop communication. That's what we see in this passage, right? We stop trying to communicate and we remove our hands from our grasp of unity and we stop working together. You guys, the devil's such a punk and he's so predictable. His end result is to get us to stop working together. Yeah. To stop communicating together to take our eyes off of Jesus and off of his plan that is the plan of the enemy we fail to see that we are part of something bigger than ourselves when we allow ourselves to be divided and separated I'm going to say that again we fail to see that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves and any name building we could be doing for ourselves. We fail to see that when we allow ourselves to be divided and separated. God's strategies in dealing with the builders of Babel. I'm just going to take a minute and talk about these. God's strategies in dealing with the builders of Babel. And I want us to keep an ear to this. Those same strategies that God used Satan wants to use those same strategies against us today. Number one, their language was confounded and no longer the same. Their language was confounded and no longer the same. Number two, their building was stopped because their vision changed. Number three, the builders were separated over the face of the earth. And I want, to point something, <coughs> I want to point something out. God used confusion to do it. God used confusion to accomplish this. And the result was division and they were no longer one. And the enemy uses the same thing today. Confusion. Number one, their language was confounded and no longer the same. I, I, man, I tell you, um this the enemy attacks our marriages, you guys I mean this message is bigger than just our marriages this This message is for the whole church but let 's just let 's camp on this. The enemy wants to come against our marriages. The enemy wants us disunified and dissatisfied
1: when
0: we're when we 're i mean you guys. Now, what's about language? Like language being the same. So here to our soon-to-be, you know, our engaged couple. It's awesome that you guys do like, I'm sure you do the baby talk. Andy, I know you do it. I know you do the mushy talk. And do woosh woo. And do pretty who pretty I mean, you know, maybe not that bad. But you'll do it now and then you'll do it when you have babies too. It's just reoccurring. But you'll finish your, your sentences. You'll finish your, your thoughts. You'll tag team it. For crying out loud, be around John and Sharon for an hour. Man, they're tag team conversation. It's just effortless, baby. It's like, I'm talking about this, all of a sudden, boom, slap. And Sharon jumps in, boom, boom, I'm talking about this. And then John's back in, and man, we, we, we have, why? Unity. Unity. Unity of thought, of speech. The second thing, the building was stopped because their vision changed, my friends. This is this is the huge one. Our vision cannot change. And Jesus Christ is our vision. That we might be one just as they are one. That vision can't change. When we stop thinking that God is bigger than our situation, that is when we will allow division. Or that God's not bigger. God is bigger than any difficulty we walk through. But we've got to stay focused on that vision, Jesus Christ. Why do we make this about Jesus every week? Every week we preach Jesus. Every message is about Jesus. I don't care what the theme is. It's about Jesus. Because our vision is clear. Church, when we walk out of this place and someone goes, what is your church all about? We better have the same answer. Jesus. Well, yeah, I know, but... uh, yeah, No, 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 it's about Jesus. It's about... Well, what are your church's plans? To, To lift up Jesus. To glorify Jesus. To make known the name of Jesus. Well, you're just giving me a religious pat answer. No, I'm not. It is about Jesus. It's not about... What's What's your mission? (laughs) Jesus? Well, what about community? What are you doing in the community? Well, we're going out there with the love of God, and we're demonstrating that love. But it's not our love we're demonstrating, because I'm pretty jacked up. I'm flawed. I'm man. So it's not about my love. It's about the love of God. So I'm going out there with the love of God and demonstrating His love. We have, we have three pillars. We have three foundations in this church. Number one, profound love for God. We are to profoundly love God. It's supposed to be more than just a, an affection. It's supposed to be more than just a crush. It's supposed to be more than something temporal. It's supposed to be a profound love for God. That's number one. Number two. I'm drawing, I'm drawing a blank. I know three is demonstrative. Uh, genuine love for one another. Genuine love for his church. Genuine love for his church. Genuine love for his church. What does that mean? I, I've got a genuine love for this woman, my wife, this girl, my daughter. There's nothing they could do to make this love unauthentic. I love them. And we're to have the same type of love for one another. Genuine. Not faked. Not tolerant, not just this tolerant love. I have, I have a tolerant love for you, brother. I tolerate you and all of your flaws. And I pray for you. And then I gossip about you. No! Genuine love for his church. And then three, demonstrative love for his lost don't say we love the lost if we're not willing to demonstrate it friends don't say we love the lost if we're not willing to demonstrate it I'll tell you one of my personal goals and I don't know how it'll be accomplished except through prayer and us doing it the door to door prayer ministry I want that to be the largest ministry in this church every week John and Sharon take a team of people and go door to door in Erie throughout Erie Knocking on doors, saying, "Hey, my name is John. This is Sharon. Uh, we just want to see if you need prayer for anything today." It's not going door to door to invite them to church; it's just going door to door to pray for people. That, my friends, is demonstrative love for the lost. Going to their door, knocking on their door, saying, "Can I pray for you?" And then saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I want to write it down because we're going to pray for you Wednesday night." And then Wednesday night for prayer impact, we come in here and we pray for those things. So. I guess my second goal, I'm I'm just kind of flowing with this, is to see Prayer Impact be the second largest ministry at Impact Rock. Because we're out there praying for people and now let's come in on Wednesdays and let's pray for them and let's pray for the lost and let's pray for the church and let's... I don't see Brian, but if I could get a musician, that would be awesome. Or someone could get Brian... Guys, this theme of unity. I don't want to be mistaken and and make it all about us being unified with one another, but that's huge. It has to start with us being unified with God. It has to start with us saying, I need God. I desperately need God. I desperately need God. And then we yield to him. And then we trust him. Why is yielding to him important? Because the minute that we put our will above his, we're in danger. The minute we put our will above his, the minute we make it about us, husbands and wives, let me encourage you with something. Put your spouse above yourself. And then on the flip side, other spouse, put your spouse above yourself. If I if I make sure I'm meeting my wife's needs and I don't worry about my needs, but I, I just I, I put my effort towards meeting her needs and then I trust her to do the same and she's committed to doing the same, meeting my needs, I don't got to worry about me. And she doesn't got to worry about her. Husbands and wives, we got to do that. But well, we got to trust God. Our lives have to be centered in Him. Church, we've got to make it about Jesus. We get in trouble when we make it about ourselves. We really do. We get offended. I talked about offense last week. We get offended when we make it about ourselves. It ain't about you and it ain't about me. We can't make it about ourselves. There's a fence. There's division when we make it about us. We have to make it about him. You guys, don't you, do we see that? I mean, I, I, I'm repeating myself. I'm not going to get off this. When you make it about you and I make it about me, we don't make it about Jesus. And there's a fence and division and separation and scattering. Period. We've got to make it about Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus says, forgive. He says, if I don't forgive, I won't be forgiven. So you know what? I don't have a choice in forgiveness. What are you saying? I'm an American. I got choice. I got freedoms. I'm, a, I'm an American Christian for crying out loud. Tell me I don't got freedoms. You don't got the freedom to not forgive. I'll tell you that much. Not unless, if you, if you want to be forgiven, you don't have the freedom of unforgiveness. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. What is that called? Making it about Jesus. And not myself, not my hurt. I don't care how valid it is. I'm not just talking about the invalid hurts, guys. I'm talking about the valid hurts. You've got every right to be hurt. You, you, you received that hurt legitimately. Someone hurt you. You got it legitimately. You got it fairly. It's valid. You got to forgive. Why? Because it's about you and God. Forgiveness is about you and God and not about the person that hurt you. It's about you and God. We've got to make it about God. I mentioned repentance earlier. You know what's also important is forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. Hey, I'm I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm, I'm sorry I let you down. I'm sorry I disappointed you. Will you forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you. Let's hug it out. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having grace. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for having grace for me. Oh, you got it, guys. Our lives have to be centered on Jesus. He is bigger. He is he is, batter like batter in the sense of like he's bad. He's he's our victorious champion. There's nothing that is bigger than Him. Nothing. So don't let anything be. Be unified with Him. As we walk into new seasons and this new season of Impact Rock, we've got to be unified with one another and it starts in the home. I mean, period. We talk about godly order, godly priorities. Here's godly order. This is number one. Your marriage is number two. Your, your family is number three. And then I put ministry and work on an even on an even course. God, God, in my experience, God creates opportunity for you to do work and ministry together. And he creates opportunity for you to minister at work. I've ministered at work and I've ministered at work all, all my life. I've ministered at school all my life. So that's godly order. Your relationship with God, number one. Your relationship with your wife or husband, number two. Your kids, number three. Work in ministry number four, and then I'd say outside that, then because there, there's they can keep going, you know. Outside that, relationships. Gosh, gosh, you know what's cool? This is awesome. When I started this preparation for this message, marriage was not, not. Such a huge theme. God changed it. God, God made it so. So I want us to minister to that. I just want to be obedient. I just want to be sensitive to that, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, husbands and wives, if you guys could just uh, stand up, join hands, um, hug. You know, if if you're if you can't stand, then just just join hands in, in some way. Guys, we have to make this about our trust in God. Our marriages experience ups and downs, hard times and good times, and I know for a fact—I know for a fact. And let's not—I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I know there's—you you guys have confided that there's some marriages that are struggling and having some difficulties right now. I appreciate the honesty, and we're real. I'm not going to single you out, and also let you know you're not alone. Okay? <laughs> our eyes have to be on Jesus. He is bigger. is the completer of what he started he's the completer of our faith he's our author he wrote the story of you and i he wrote the story of you two together he wants this unified you guys where there needs to be repentance let there be repentance where there needs to be forgiveness purpose in your heart for there to be forgiveness where there needs to be communication godly communication and where there needs to be one voice one vision then trust God. Look to Jesus first. Men, I know you like to be the fixer, but you're the weak one in this relationship. I'm the weak one in this relationship. I may be the stronger one in this relationship, but I'm the weaker one in this relationship. And it's not about you to fix it. It's not on you to fix it. Wives, it's not on you to fix it. You've got to go to God. Hmm. Jesus. Let's just bow our heads. and I just want to pray over the marriages. Lord God, I thank you for every marriage in this place, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you forged these marriages. Lord God, you you forged the love represented in these marriages, Lord. And each one of us that stand here is a couple. Lord, we don't stand here just the two of us. We stand here as three. A three-stranded cord united with you, Lord God. United with you. This isn't just about us. It's about us and you. So, Lord, I just speak strength over every marriage. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke the one who would bring confusion and separation and division and would try and scatter us. In the name of Jesus... We rebuke the attacks and the plans of the enemy, and Lord God, we yield to you. We look to you. We need you. We acknowledge you. We say, Holy Spirit, now come in power and bring healing and life, resurrection power into all of our marriages. Lord, we want our marriages to be a testament for you, Lord God. Lord, we want our marriages to reflect the bridegroom and the bride. Lord, Lord, your union with us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just speak healing, Lord, whether there are hurts, I speak healing. Whether the enemy has brought hardness and in any way there's unforgiveness, we just take authority over the enemy that would that would bring that. And Lord, we just speak grace. friends please agree with me on this next prayer Lord we surrender the right to be hurt Lord we surrender the right to be right Lord we surrender the right for an apology even we forgive without the apology we forgive because we know that pleases you Lord we receive your power your life changing power Lord, I pray that you would increase affection. Lord, increase communication. Lord, increase romance. Lord, increase, Lord, passion. Lord, increase, Lord, good marital sex. Lord, God, Lord, increase it all, Father. Lord, increase friendship. Lord, increase laughter. Increase joy. Lord, increase understanding and increase grace in our marriages, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Couples, you can be seated. Thank you, guys.
1: Um, I'm going to ask you to stand again in just a
0: second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's just a reprieve, just for a second. Um,
1: The whole message tonight is being locked into Him, centered in, focused. Mark was doing the graphics and he's got different things for the series and some of it's on focusing and you see the the binoculars just zooming in. Um, and during this time of vision, our goal as your pastors is to help you lock in and find that place where you are locked in with him and you find that unity in him because when you guys and us, when we're in unity with him, this is easy. Yeah. Going out there, that's easy. Because we've got this right. And so I would like everybody to stand. And I just want to pray a blessing over us. I want the couples to join hands like you were and to just pray together and put God back in the middle. And maybe he's shifted. Maybe he's in the middle. And then you praise God for that and say, Thank you, God. We want to keep you in the middle. If you're a single person, or if your spouse isn't here or whatever your situation, you get locked in with him. Yeah. Same prayer. That's good. I put you in the center. I put you first. I'm locking it down, God. It's me and you. Yes. So whether you're a couple or a single, it's the same prayer, right? We want to be unified with Christ. So Mike's just going to play for a minute. Couples, pray together. If you're single, then just take this minute and do that, please.
0: Jesus, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for every every person in this place, Lord God, every individual, every child, every adult. Lord, I thank you for every marriage, every couple, every family. Lord, I just speak blessing over each person here tonight, Lord God, over each marriage, over each family, over each home, Lord God. Lord, we thank you that every good thing comes from you, Lord God. Lord, we acknowledge that there's nothing good in us but you, Lord. So, Lord, I just proclaim your blessing, your goodness, your faithfulness, your joy, your love, your resurrection power, your life, your grace over each one of us here in this place, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke shame. I rebuke shame and I rebuke the attack of the enemy that would bring shame and that would would weigh us down with shame. I rebuke the lies of the enemy that would say, you you know, you're a no good dog. You have no value. I rebuke that lie in Jesus' name right now. Satan, you are a liar and we rebuke those lies. And Lord God, we agree with you in your truth. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to empower us. Let us leave this place full of power and boldness to walk according to the promise of God, to carry the good news of Jesus outside this place, to genuinely demonstrate God's love, and to carry the presence of God with faith and power. In Jesus' name. Amen. If we could keep our eyes locked for, or shut for one second, but please just kind of stay locked into what I'm saying. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus, I just want to give you that opportunity. And it's as simple as this. If you believe in Jesus and you confess Him as Lord of your life, you will be saved. If you believe in Him, That He paid the price for your sin. He's forgiven you of your sins. That He lives and that you can live in Him. And if you say yes to His plan, then you'll be saved. If that's you, and you're just chomping at the bit right now to say yes to Him, to give Him your life, to declare your faith in Him. I just, uh, I want you to make it obvious to me. I mean, we're all standing up, so I'm kind of looking in between the crowds. But wave at me, raise your hand, lock eyes, do something. And make it obvious that, that this moment, you are making the decision to make Jesus the center of your life. Make it obvious. Just lock eyes and, and wave, do something. Is there anybody? Lord, I thank you for your grace and goodness. Jesus, we love you. And we purpose in our hearts right now to make our lives about you. To place our trust in you and to live our lives declaring that we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.